For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners360.com. This is Matt Burns, and I'm here with co-host Chris Mason, our lead recruiting insider over at 360, and Caleb Cummings, known to most of you as the Sooner 55. It's the first official week of the portal. Let's dive right into portal talk to discuss Sooner 360's first commit prediction put in for Indiana all-purpose defender Dasan McCullough. Chris, you know a little bit about the last name McCullough. Well, I, I certainly um, would hope that maybe you know, these guys are from Scotland, but I, I, I don't think they are. But I think they're very much from Indiana and uh, uh, and from Notre and from uh, South Bend right now. So uh, Dasan is a big outside linebacker who uh, put into the portal on Monday. He had a great freshman year at Indiana. He was a freshman All-American. He has kind of a wild recruiting story. He was playing uh, high school ball in the Kansas City area because his dad, uh, DeLond, was the running back coach for the KC Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Dasan had actually verbaled to Ohio State very early in the process. OU was trying to get involved. Clemson was trying to get involved. Everyone wasn't going to repeat the uh, the Isaiah Simmons mistake of of not recruiting uh, a six foot four super athlete from the Kansas City area and let that let that mistake occur again. So he had offers from everywhere. Top one hundred kid, probably should have been maybe top fifty, but just a fantastic athlete. And he went chose Ohio State. Then his dad went to go coach running backs at. Indiana. So Dasan switched his verbal commitment to Indiana to go play for his dad. Then his dad switched jobs again because he wanted to go coach with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame after the, the Brian Kelly to LSU transition occurred. So his dad transferred again over to Notre Dame. He's the running back coach over at Notre Dame. Uh, Dasan went ahead and stuck with his commitment to play at Indiana. But he had just, Indiana didn't have a great year at all. But Dasan had a really good freshman year. And uh, he went into the went into the portal. And right now, it's based upon the data and the sources we have. Uh, Dasan is, is heavily leaning to the Sooners. So that's where he's, that's where Dasan recruitment has, uh, has taken us. And Dasan comes from, like you said, a big NFL pedigree um i believe caleb has a little bit more insight into the the full family story yeah no it is uh probably maybe it's it is easily my favorite uh football family i think a lot of people that if you've seen the e60 on uh on dealand their dad and uh their grandfather sherman smith yeah it's it's you can't watch it with dry eyes to be be honest with you it, it's an amazing story i won't ruin that for anyone i would just say go find that e60 and watch it uh it is worth the 
20 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes or whatever it is. And you'll come away from that, you know, again, loving the family and pulling for the kids probably no matter what. Uh, but yeah, their granddad was, their granddad played at Miami of Ohio, was drafted in the second round in the NFL. Had a, you know, I want to say a, a decent NFL career. I think he, he played with, I was on the West Coast. I don't remember from that if it was maybe the Seahawks and, uh, and, and then the Raiders and the Seahawks and then Chargers. Uh, but, you know, played for five, six, five, six years in the NFL, played running back and then went into coaching. And he coached in the NFL uh, for, you know, a, a long stint, you know, one of the really uh, well, most well thought of uh, running back coaches in the NFL was uh, there with the Seahawks and, and Pete Carroll uh, and uh, beast mode, Marshawn Lynch coached him. So, you know, and then their dad uh, kind of, you know, uh, again, I don't want to ruin it, but falls in, in his his father's footstep. Dylan, you know, goes to Miami of Ohio. I think breaks his rushing records. Goes to the NFL, gets injured. Uh, then you've got Desan uh, and Day. They've actually got a middle brother that is at Miami of Ohio. So you know it, the deep football family roots. Everyone is, uh, you know, as you as you can tell, is kind of that NFL caliber, uh, big time Division One Division One players. And I I see the same thing. You know, as as you, uh, Chris, when you look at uh, Deshaun, I think he was a, a freshman All American uh, this year for a four and eight Indiana team. Uh, you know, I think it's forty nine tackles, six and a half TFLs, four sacks, and them really playing. You know, in a in almost like a true edge position, uh, edge linebacker. You know, for where he's really interesting, and you mentioned this right, with his background, he's a kid that played corner safety. Uh, wide receiver uh, in high school. He runs extremely well. He looks like what uh, Venables has used in the past for that cheetah position, where it's a guy that can play play coverage. He can blitz. He can cover tight ends. Uh, but he can play box. He can do everything, and you can move him around. Uh, gives you the flexibility to move, you know, others uh, around as well. He would be. Uh, you know, I don't know when was the last time Oklahoma Oklahoma had an All American linebacker? Because uh, you know, again, yeah, you're looking at uh, Desan as a as a freshman All American. Yeah, I mean, it's for for Sooner fans that have been a, a bit frustrated with the linebacker play the last three months. Uh, Desan is, is is probably the best looking sort of edge linebacker in the portal especially when you factor in he's got two years to play. He's only going to get better. Uh, he, he, he could be an impact defender for, for OU next year if OU is able to get his commitment. And as you said, if he can lock down either, either Will or the cheetah position, it, it opens up some things for OU where they're able to concentrate some talent uh, at other positions. So if it, let's just say he takes over cheetah it enables you to play uh, Canick and Lewis and have them focus at will linebacker. So all of a sudden you've got more speed and competition and depth right there instead of splitting those guys between two positions. But let's just say Brent decides to play him at will or Mike, then all of a sudden that allows you to put Canick over at Cheetah and you're getting those two unbelievable linebacker athletes on the field at the same time. It just, it's, it, it opens up a world of possibilities, uh, I think, for for the OU defense if OU is able to close on close on this recruiting. And, and like I said, I think he's 
he's arguably the best defender in the portal right now. And when you factor in uh, his ceiling and how much you know, everyone, I, I said, you know, oh, you could get, you know, good two years out of him. And people on the message boards were correcting me and they were saying, well, he's got three more years to play. And I'm like, I'm like, well, yeah, sure he does. I go, but if, I think there's a real possibility if, if he was to, to to be with OU, that he could hit the ground running, and OU could only get two more years out of him because he could be vaulting his way to the NFL. No, I, I think you're 100 percent correct. I think he is the best defender in the portal. You know, for the most of the, for a lot of the guys that are in the portal, you you know, the some of the stories are more along the lines of you know. Uh, highly recruited, highly ranked kid that is maybe early in his career, you, you see the potential and, you know, Hey, let's get him in here. Or there's some guys from, you know, uh, kind of maybe some Mac schools or group of five that are really good players, but you're kind of saying, okay, I, I expect them to do the same. He's probably the one guy where you're like, okay, wait a second. Here's a guy who played in arguably the best conference in the country this year in the big 10. And he was one of the best defenders as a freshman and it was a freshman all American, but he's in the portal. Like that's just uh it, it's rare. It's rare. Yeah. Cause most of the time in the portal, what we're looking at is production from, from guys that at lower, lower rated schools who are really good. You know, we're going to talk about some of those later, or you're seeing high, highly ranked recruits uh, who just haven't clicked. Who haven't who haven't reached their potential? There's no production, right? It's all potential, yeah, from high school, or it's all production from college. But Dasan is one of the only few guys in here, especially on defense, where there's production and potential for more. I mean, it's he's only scratched the surface on on how good he can be, and that's not to mention. He's not the only McCullough that we have put in a official 360 commit prediction in for. Uh, Dasan has a younger brother. So the next in line of that great family that we talked about, uh, he is a high school senior class of 2023 safety lives in South Bend, Indiana. Um, Chris, do you want to dive in a little bit into younger brother day? Yeah, he's obviously he's he's in South Bend now because he's living with his dad. His dad coaches at Notre Dame. So he's at a South Bend high school. He's committed to Cincinnati still. Uh, OU offered him in early November when they made a string of DB offers to some kids that we really, really liked. Um, thought their film was really good. But kind of. After they offered Day, OU kind of seemed to drop off their attention on some of them, except for uh, Kendall Dolby, the NEO JUCO cornerback, who OU was able to quickly get on campus for Bedlam and get a quick commitment from. But there are like three players that OU didn't seem to, you know, really push for. One was um, Brandon Hillman, who's just verbal to Notre Dame today. Another one was Tyler Scott who was down of five big-time schools, and OU was, wasn't really able to seem to make a dent and didn't really seem to be trying to make much of a dent. And the last guy is uh, Khalil Barnes uh, from Georgia, who's probably probably committing to Clemson, actually. He's going to commit next week, not visiting OU this week. OU gets to be a hat on the table, uh, but he's not. OU's not really part of that recruiting. So it was odd. OU didn't add any more DBs or 
a number that they were following that, that were interesting, including a guy that was committed to Utah, a um, couple of guys committed to Utah, but they didn't really move on any of them. So it's almost like OU's been kind of waiting to see if uh, Luke Fickle was going to leave, leave Cincinnati, which he did, and also to see if Dasan was going to make his way into the portal. Um, so now, so now Day has confirmed he's visiting OU this coming weekend. We don't have anything from Dasan. He's not really putting much out on social media about his recruiting. He's not saying he has another OU offer because he's probably because everybody off Dasan had like thirty offers out of high school because everybody wanted him. So, but Day is six two two hundred. He has really good senior film. He's an in the box safety. He's a he can split out and cover a slot receiver. He can play center field safety. He also does a good job playing wide receiver. So his his film in high school is 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 really really good and and I I would he's a four star recruit, uh, top three hundred according to two four seven's own rankings. I, I think he's probably underrated, um, but I, I think he uh, just as, as a standalone recruit. If you told me his name was Bob Smith. I would be telling you I'd be very, very happy if 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 OU is able to to close on day and get his commitment. What do you think about him, Caleb? Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I see a lot of the same things. You know, I think a couple of the things that stuck out is his size and his frame, like potential. And yeah, there's a picture of him on social with Jay Valai. I know Jay's not the biggest guy, but uh, Day, my God, he was so much bigger than. And uh, and Coach Valai, it was it was surprising. Uh, really good frame. I've seen him listed anywhere from six one, two hundred to six two two twenty. Uh, you know, I think where he probably ends up is he, he may be on the high end of that, right? It may be in that six one and a half, six two, two hundred twenty pound range. Uh, and kind of like his older brother, right? You see him play corner, you see him play safety, and you see whether it's football instincts, football IQ from just the family they grew up in, you know, and grown up around, you know, dad, dad and granddad coaching in the NFL. And, and that's what you're around, right? You're around NFL locker rooms and those guys that you see a football IQ, you see a guy that, you know, has, you know, great instincts, he's physical, uh, something we've talked about a lot, whether it's on the board or on some of the other podcasts around the team is, you know, some guys maybe not having the quite football IQ that, uh, you know, that's something that Brent is trying to coach into him, not understanding, hey, it's it's third and eight and they're running a, you know, a, a short little dig in front of me. Well, they're not really trying to throw the five yard dig in front of, you know, they're trying to throw and that get a guy in behind me and you see him on film id things like that jump other routes uh you know get the pick i, I you know if i joked on the about with him with his size and his frame and how big it is and his potential to grow into that and being a physical kid that if you told me that he came in with his brother and Desan was going to be a two-year starter, you know, continue his run of being an All-American and off to the NFL. Uh, and Day was going to back him up. And when he leaves, was going to take over that, that cheater role uh, and, and slide right in there at, you know, 6'2", 220, 225. I, I'd say, yeah, makes a lot of sense. He looks like that, that type of guy. He could go with his ability and, uh, you know, an IQ. He could play safety or cheetah. Or even see him get bigger and, you know, kind of just move all around. You know, I could even see 
uh, a world uh, formation, uh, Caleb, where, you know, you can see the two of them on the field together. Um, one's, you know, um, the son is almost like this, you know, like some sort of a three, three, five hybrid thing where the son is like a big outside linebacker. And then day is like the, is like the, is like the big nickel, big nickel safety kind of, uh, in that mode. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing where, uh, when you watch a lot of what, uh, Venables did at Clemson, you would see, I won't call them wild packages, uh, that type of flexibility, I guess, from the personnel, you would see some unique things done where you might see, you know, a wheel linebacker spinning back and playing, you know, a single high safety look because they've taken someone else and spun them down to get like an exotic, you know, some type of a blitz package they're going to be bringing off, you know, some, from somewhere else. And those type of guys, uh, you know, the McCullough brothers, they, they offer, they offer that with their versatility. And speaking of the, that cheetah role and being versatile, um, we'll move on to the rest of the remaining targets for the class of 2023. Uh, Chris, do you have a temp check for Tassili Akana? Yeah, recently, uh, Achilles, I'm sorry, Akana's been kind of the, the mystery man. No one's really known where he's leaning. Everyone's sort of predicting five schools. Uh, certain percentages, and they're all very, very close to each other. Uh, but it looks like OU has had a fantastic set of in-home visits with him that he's posted online. And I had a source tell me that prior to the Kansas trip, OU was in the lead. And he visited for Kansas, had a fantastic trip, and then nothing. And now it's kind of seems to be making its way through the recruiting community that based upon this trip, and him not really seeming to be in a hurry to schedule another trip anywhere else, that that OU seems to be establishing a lead. I put him in the very warm category right now. And OU was just out to see him. Uh, Venables was not on that trip, correct? No, he was. He did go. He did go so to that one. Okay. So, Chris, let me ask you. Uh, is there, should we read stuff, something into that? Just given what we've seen from Venables and how he like, and really the whole method, uh, the process they've used on recruits wanting to hold, you know, get the last official be the last in home. Uh, what do you make of, of, uh, Venables getting out and seeing him kind of right away? I think OU sort of is reading his lack of interest in scheduling another visit. I think they're. They're reading it. He's he's ready to wrap this process up, and he may not announce until signing day. But I think they're reading that this was the time. I think Venables is a big believer in keeping your, to use a kind of a cliche term, keeping your powder dry, your gunpowder dry when you need it, um, and then expanding it all at the right appropriate time. And I think that's kind of what Venables is doing. He 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 he. So one thing OU fans need to understand now is with Brent, Brent's the best closer in the living room we've ever had as a head coach. I mean, when you, when you talk about Brent being a great recruiter, and he always was, when you, when you give that weight and authority to him as being the head coach and him in the living room as the head coach. So I think that is telling us that the Econa thing's coming to a close and that OU felt like this was, this was the time. They've got some momentum. This is the time to... To, to fire all cannons and, and go, go all in. So it'll be interesting to see if he does take another visit 
and 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 things get a little a little murky. But right now, it would seem that OU, uh, OU if if you ask most recruiting experts I, to make a decision, I think they would say Akana. And like I said, I had some information prior to his Kansas trip that said that OU was ahead. So when OU's when you when you can talk about a team that's been able to maintain that lead for this long. And I think, you know, you, you start to recruiting is all about relationships and all about momentum. And even in the NIL days, those things still factor in. So I, I think that's it's a good point, Caleb. And we'll get to that next with uh, uh, with E-Now Edda. Yeah, that momentum seems to be picking up on him. I think we're saving the powder for, as you said, um, for later in the week, I believe is is Venables holding that till next week. I don't know. We, oh, you've oh, you've clearly been in home with him, and then Michigan was in home with him, and then we haven't seen Brent use his in home visit yet. So he seems to be really locked solid to Michigan on one hand, but he's still talking to OU left and right on another hand. So you have to wonder if there's perhaps a distance issue that's throwing this off. Or something. There's two weekends left. It, it's not. I would put Etta on sort of the simmering temperature, and if if he shows up in Norman, probably secretly again, we won't get word of that until it's actually happened. And he's not exactly posting a lot on social media about going on trips. Uh, if we see an official visit from 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 Etta in the next week or two, I, I think that temperature could go from simmering to, to very warm or hot very quickly. And Caleb, Chris just mentioned the distance factor. Do you think there's another possibility that uh, with Venables possibly trending towards a more 3-3-5 type defense, is, is he selling Etta and does Etta fit in that sort of scheme? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, he is a big framed kid. He is, uh, you know, what he's listed at six five, uh, maybe six five, and then maybe maybe a little little over uh, two hundred sixty pounds, two hundred sixty five pounds, and he is that great motor, uh, thick kid. He's he's really probably you know I don't know if he's on if he's already I don't say he's maxed out. But I don't think that's it because uh, I think he's got room to grow. But uh, you know I you, you see it more now with weight programs being what they are at the high school level where, you know, it's not 30 or 40 years ago where kids are showing up on campus and just naturally going to gain 25, 30, you know, 40 pounds. It's, you know, it's just a little bit of a different, different time. So, but he's a guy that he could fit into either, right. I think he can play a four down or a three down, uh, particularly with it being a one gap look, he's big, physical, can move, uh, extremely long. Uh, yeah. I think he, Again, if he just fits out of being multiple and, you know, on how, how you want to be able to attack, attack teams. He, he definitely fits that. It's a, it's an interesting one, right. With his, uh, one of his best friends having flipped from, uh, Michigan to, uh, Miami, uh, is going to, you know, a kid out of California that he was going to room with. So that's a, that is an interesting one to watch. And Edda would be a good get because he's, a. Uh... As you mentioned, he's not quite maxed out, but he's a little bit more developed than, say, uh, you know, commit Taylor Wine. Um, so Etta presents a little bit of upside earlier, I believe. Uh, another guy that could play early, could play often, and could be one of those other three-year guys 
Chris, where do we stand with Peyton Bowen? Well, everybody is on the Peyton Bowen flip watch. Um, I think that watch is still hot. He's still meeting with OU. Um, I think it's been a little bit of a misunderstanding about his time frame and time schedule. So I, I think we just need to, he, and I think he still technically can take an official visit to OU if that's, I find that hard to believe since he's been to OU, I think like 12 times, but I don't think he's taken an official yet. <laughs> um, so I think it's still hot. It's, there's something about his time frame that I think all the recruiting analysts have kind of missed. I, I don't know what that is. I'm not pointing fingers at them. They're just using the best information they have. But it's still, there's something on his schedule in terms of, of how he's going to do this that hasn't quite clicked yet. But I, everything we hear is that he's still very much interested in OU. OU's, you know, has all of the advantages. Everybody... All of our sort of some of our local sources say it's just it's going to happen. Just it's everybody knows it's going to happen. It's just it's just waiting for the for the final shove. So he, he's still hot, but we're we're still waiting. And for a lot of OU fans and for you know folks who follow recruiting, it, it seems like we've been waiting since about since about March. So there's the, the lack of patience for OU fans at this point is a little bit. They're they're just they're just kind of on they're just kind of like what they you know they've been told like I think five or six times hey Bowen is flipping in the next week and it hasn't happened yet so they're just they're you know he's the recruit that it's and it's certainly not the kid's fault it's just it's the recruiting story that just sort of won't end so that's where we are with that it's still still two weeks to to signing day and 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 I, and I think it's going to drop I think you know I think there's some one last thing that's just going to push it over the top. And maybe it's Brent's in home. Maybe Brent's going to hold that. And maybe Brent's going to hold that for the hold back that in home until the very last minute to make sure he, he gets the flip and Notre Dame doesn't have time to try and respond. That's and just, maybe, maybe they can that. swing that official visit. He still has left too at some point. Yeah. The, maybe it's the, maybe it's that last weekend. They sneak him in the last weekend, not sneak in any kind of, you know, uh, you know, illicit manner, just, you know, they just bring him in and Notre Dame doesn't have any chance to respond to it because the dead period is right after that weekend. Well, that might be the play there. There's another five-star from Texas. Uh, it's been a, a little similar type of drama around him. Uh, what's the latest on David DJ Hicks? He's still warm. But there's there's nothing really really out there. We we had a source tell us that they think it's it's actually down to Oregon and OU, which is kind of interesting since he's still you know proclaiming publicly he's committed to Texas A and M. So I don't know what to do with that. And, th and as we talked on the board too, um, in our update the other day. OU is the common denominator there, which is a good sign. But with Hicks and his history, it's kind of tough to go with that because you have no idea. Yeah. So he's, he's, I, I, I made a recruiting prediction in my VIP forum and I left off Hicks and Sanford because I think, I think Damian Sanford and Hicks are just sort of entwined. 
uh, from that perspective. If Hicks falls, Sanford's going to fall more than likely. I left them off the last recruiting prediction, and some folks on the board asked me legitimately why I left them off. And I said, I, I kind of have them in recruiting limbo right now. I just, I just, they're not, there's no way OU's out of this. There's no way OU's not, has a, doesn't have a, you know, is, is out of this, is, won't have a potential to sign them. I'm just not sure that I feel comfortable predicting that OU will sign them at this point. It's that A&M class. That entire A&M class is, is, is a little, is wild. I mean, Hicks is one of them. And yeah. as you mentioned, you know, uh, Damian Stanford, but you, they've got offensive linemen out of New Jersey. Uh, I think Chase Rosantis or something along that those lines. I know he's predicted to flip to other folks. Uh, they, may lose TJ, they may lose TJ Shanahan too. That's yeah. around. And there's that, you know, DB out of LaGrange, Rogers. I know he's taken yeah. visits and, you know, it's a, it's a weird one because it feels like they've had a ton of people hit the portal. Things are, I want to say falling apart, but everyone knows, uh, you know, talks of, you know, multiple coaching changes. You know, one thing to remember is that one of the analysts or whatever his role was, one of the main recruiters that was on DJ has taken the defensive line position at Colorado. Uh, going to follow D on there. There's so much kind of turmoil and change inside that whole thing. But I'll say this, right? Where it's like, uh, and you know. and he was apparently he was apparently like you said involved with Hicks. So one of the guys. Yep. So it's it's and of course A and M and of course you know off topic A and M pulls in Ruben Owens today. So the number one running back depending upon the services you look at um i'm not a big owens fan really on this film and all that but whatever. i'm the same i think he's uh um i think he's a little overhyped but whatever regardless regardless he is a, most of the sites him as a five-star running back and he didn't even decommit from louisville he just committed to a&m so <laughs> uh we can read it what we want but it's the the right now the a&m world is just so volatile and weird it's hard to know if 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 poor Hicks and Sanford get somehow sucked into that weird vortex. Yeah, you know, with Hicks, I, I always it makes me think of the uh, the great statesman of our time. His line, right, uh, George W. Bush: "Fool me once, uh, shame on you. Get fooled, uh, can't be fooled again." Kind of, kind of, kind of that thing. There, I hate you know. You hate to just say like, "Oh, it's going to happen," and then uh, the eleventh hour, and yeah, I mean, something yeah. crazy happens from an NIL perspective. Yeah, but then, you know, so that's 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 Hicks, at, you know, who seems to be, who would seem to be like OU's last sort of high school D-line person in play. But then we have another 2023 offer that dropped today, sort of out of nowhere. Um, OU have been following uh, a defensive end from Arkansas, uh, North Little Rock area called Quincy, Quincy Rhodes, Quincy Rhodes Jr., uh, technically. He's he's six seven, two hundred. He's listed at two hundred fifty pounds. He could be bigger than that right now. Um, he's a four star, top three hundred on two four seven zone rankings. I don't think he has much of a ranking anywhere else. Uh, he's you know locked into Arkansas, but Arkansas just lost their defensive coordinator, who's taken the Las Vegas uh, the Nevada Las Vegas job. So oh, you just offered him. He has really good film. It's it's shockingly good for a big guy 
uh, with his mobility and frame that he is this under the radar. It doesn't make a, it's it's sort of like the Taylor Wine thing. It, do, it doesn't it doesn't add up at all. Caleb, have you had a chance to look at his film? Yeah, no, I agree. The only th- my thought coming out of that was it just being being that it's North Little Rock and he's committed to Arkansas that, you know, people just made the assumption of, hey, he's going to be a hog. He committed to him. And right. Let's let's be super honest. Like if these kids are not going to camps, your main recruiting sites, whether it's a rivals, a 24 seven and on three in ESPN, they're not sending people, you know, out to watch uh, North Little Rock versus Pulaski Academy to see, to see that matchup. Right. He's so he's maybe a little under the radar from that perspective. I thought the same thing. You watch him. And one of the first things I kind of wrote down is like the kid's really physical. You see that on some plays where he's got a puller coming across uh, and he just, you know, it's not, you know, kind of joke coach once said, you know, asked the, another coach asked him, said, Hey, do you teach guys to, you know, dig that puller out or to, you know, just play with the, the play side arm and keep their outside shoulder free the coach. We don't, we don't recruit unless they can get around it. And uh, with, with Rhodes, it's uh, he just goes right through it, you know? So really physical kid, uh, you know, I think the comp for him is like Ali gay that you see at, uh, at LSU, just gonna, just a massive kid, you know, with that, with that wingspan, you know, six, seven to 50 could play at two seventy five and still be, you know, a flat belly lean athlete that can move. He plays with good pad level, which was, you know, to, again, to your point, right. You see six, seven two fifty, not a lot of accolades and think, okay, it's probably going to be a big lumbering kid that stands straight up. And none of that was true. So a uh, really good player. It, it's a, uh, it's interesting to see Oklahoma throw their hat in there. Maybe there's something that, you know, the, the rest of us don't don't know about his recruitment. And we're going to talk about a, a portal offer in Caleb Banks a little bit later. Um, there, That's a guy that blew up to 300 pounds. Do you see Quincy Rhodes possibly on the same trajectory and could maybe kick inside? No, absolutely. It's, it's funny you say that, Matt, because like that's, it, you know, when you look at, when you go back and you start looking uh, at Caleb Banks, he went to you know high school in Michigan and was a 21 kid. So COVID took a lot of that 20 season. But yeah, same thing. He was a 6'7", 250-pound, multi-sport athlete, really good basketball player. I think it led his team deep in the playoffs. Uh, and then, yeah, goes to Louisville. And within two years, he's put on a lean 50 pounds. It is not bad weight. It is just, hey, that's where this kid's going to be if you feed him that many calories and put him in a weight room. And so, yeah, I could absolutely see the same thing occurring with Rhodes where you fast forward, you know, uh, he'd be a 23 kid. You fast forward looking at going into 24 and he's a, you know, 6'6", 6'7", 305, 310 pound athletic interior defensive lineman. Uh, You know, you can absolutely see the, you know, his body type taking him there if it does. Well, yeah, I don't think, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just saying, but I don't think this like his this means that OU's like out on anyone else. Just like Dave McCullough has like nothing to do with Peyton Bowen. OU can basically blow through the high school over signing limits this year. So I, I think when OU sees a defensive lineman they want, they're they're offering. And they're just gonna they'll worry about how this will fit if they for somehow got Etta Hicks and 
and roads. They'll, they'll okay, they'll just figure it out. They yeah, I agree it. completely with They're that. Not gonna worry. It's not going to worry about it. Yeah, I think everybody's probably been watching, right? You know, seeing all the guys leaving, uh, and uh, Oklahoma is just super thin. So they need both at defensive tackle and defensive end. Uh, you know, and it's amazing to say this, right? Reggie Grimes will be a senior next year. Ethan Downs will be a junior next year. Uh, so you know, you've got to get. Both you've got no depth. underclassmen behind them because they just lost. Yeah, Jackson, Tarber, Henry. Like we have R. Mason Thomas and and Tarber. I mean, sorry, and um, and Halton. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, they're in a good spot in the sense that you look at uh, a snapshot of the three or four deep. Most of the kids that are leaving to go to the NFL or transferring were not on that. Uh, you know, Redmond obviously was. Uh, but at the same time, to your point, basically everything else has been gutted, which by and large really is a good thing, right? Because uh, they need to get more talent maybe get their players in and they will but yeah i think they've got the flexibility to go out and sign three or four more defensive linemen and from high school and go out and get two or three more uh junior call and junior college but uh, rather transfer portal guys and you mentioned getting these guys in here uh we've got pretty pretty good news that uh a, a large chunk of these guys uh in the class of 23 are going to be early enrollees. Uh, Chris, do you have a little update on all of those players? Well, first off, Peyton Bowen is in the OU directory, and that sent off a flood of activity on the internet like that he's, hey, he's going to OU. Then that buzzkill occurred that if you look up Colton Vasic, he's also in the OU directory, and I think we're pretty sure he's not enrolling early at OU. So uh, a little further search through the directory found that Eric McCarty's enrolled early, McCarty Vickers, PJ Adeboire, Caden Green, Jackson Arnold, obviously, Josh Bates, Phil Picotti, and Caleb Hicks are already all in. So OU's done a it has a huge leg up on paperwork and clearinghouse stuff for all of these early enrollee guys. There are three or four others I think are intending to be early enrollees. Kenyon Brown, uh, Jacoby Johnson, I couldn't find in the directory. That I may not be looking right for him. Um, and maybe uh, Josiah Wagner would be three more that I think are possibly going to enroll early. So there's a chance OU is going to have a really big early enrollee class and bring some key talent on the campus early. And it's a different type of talent uh, compared to the last staff. These are all football players. Um, they pop on film. So getting them in early, getting them in their first winter workouts, uh, getting them through spring is going to go a long way to replenishing that depth. And another tool is obviously the portal. Um, we already have a commitment from Lacey, the defensive tackle from Notre Dame, to start filling in some depth. Um, we've talked a little bit about Caleb Banks. Uh, Caleb, do you want to jump into him a little bit more? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, kind of harken back to what he said just a few minutes ago. Uh, he's an interesting kid, right? Out of Michigan, he was originally committed to Arizona State. He did have Michigan and Michigan State offers. So both in-state schools were after him. Don't know if he was maybe a little bit further down the pecking line, you know, looking at it, both Michigan and Michigan State signed, you know, good uh, classes at defensive line that year. He came out uh, again as a 21 signee. Uh, so his senior year was 20. 
uh, senior football season rather. But uh, yeah, really athletic guy, extremely long. Again, this is looking at him in high school. Uh, moved extremely well for a kid that's six 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 seven. And I say moved right; it's just very natural. Had good bend uh, at the knee. wasn't a waist bender. Didn't struggle to. Wasn't lumbering. Uh, you know, goes to goes to Louisville. He actually got some snaps. You know, his first year, like you got that new freshman, not new, but with your redshirt freshman rule. So he got some snaps as as a defensive end, and then over that offseason, just you know, uh, the the genes took over, and you know, kid not playing basketball anymore. You know, instead of being 255, 265 pounds, now he's 300 pounds. Uh, extremely long-armed. He played not a ton of snaps, really, for, for Louisville. I do know Louisville this year had good interior depth, but he was a guy that they really liked. Uh, I know he notched the one sack against Wake Forest, and, you know, you, you see when you watch that kind of what you expect. A big kid, long arms, able to engage offensive linemen, shed them, and then run the quarterback down, actually. Uh, so I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good offer. I think it also, when you start to look at banks, roads, uh, at, uh, some of these guys, you start to see, I think, you know, a trend of, uh, bigger defensive linemen, you know, the day of, and of course, having said that, you've also got Jacob Lacey at six, one, you know, 285 pounds. So let me put my you know, foot in my mouth there. But I, I think you do see them wanting to be, you know, whether that's something you mentioned, Matt, about versatility to play and even at an odd front, or if that's just, hey, we want to be bigger and longer in t- on the interior and along the front to, uh, you know, to help us, uh, you know, he, he fits in that. Well, and another one of those bigger interior guys, uh, it's an offer from, I believe, Western Michigan, uh, Braden Fisk. Yeah, I mean, I love this kid. So I pulled up the uh, the tape to watch some tape from this year, but I wanted to see, hey, you know, what's a power five in Michigan? The past two years, I think they they did win the Joe Moore Award last year. It's a good chance they'll win it again this year. And you watch Western Michigan versus Michigan last year, and he not only holds his own, he flashes and he kicks some guys' ass on the interior. In uh, you watch Western Michigan, they'll also run a 30 front. And when they do, Fisk is not a, you know, six, five, 300 pounds. He's not a, he's not a, you know, lumbering, unathletic guy. They kick him outside and they play him at that four eye or that, you know, effectively a defensive tackle, defensive end position in, uh, in the three down. And you see the same thing. You see him getting on their guys, you know, strong, uh, well coached, uses leverage, you know, and you see him in, particularly in that four down front when he's inside against a guard, a lot of success. And again, Michigan, really good offensive line. And uh, he was noticeable watching him win with, with some consistency versus them. I know he's already officially visited Notre Dame and Oklahoma uh, is working to get him. I think that, I think that uh, Bates may have already gone up and seen him. I think he's, uh, I, I would take that and how quickly they offered and Bates already going up and, and talking to him that uh, he's, he's probably a priority and he should be. Well, getting some of those bigger D linemen like that um, would definitely help the point of attack. Uh, I know we were a little weak there last year, uh, led to some poor linebacker play. I'm not so sure that linebacker talent was all that great in the first place, but um, you know, the big guys up front definitely helped that. And 
also stacking depth at linebacker position. Uh, a big name hit the portal as well. Justin Flo out of Oregon, big guy, highly recruited. Uh, we believe there's an offer. Chris, have we confirmed that? We're not sure. I mean, Justin Flo had like 35 offers out of high school. He was all but set to go to Clemson at one point, and then he veered over to uh, Oregon during his recruiting. So I'd be stunned if he doesn't have an OU offer based upon just his talent level and Venables, because Venables would have been his would have been his would have been his position coach at that point. So he was his key recruiter. So I, I'd be stunned if Flo doesn't doesn't have an offer. Well, he could slot in. He's got experience. He's been he's been injured often in his career, but uh, when healthy, he's obviously a, a high end talent. Uh, was rated number six overall in the composite uh, his year of 2020. Um, so he could ov- he obviously has uh, talent. Caleb, how do you see him fitting in? Yeah, no, I think, you know, the biggest question with flow, and you guys already touched on it, would be just like overall like availability from, you know, him physically. Uh, I think he can play either the mic or the will. I think, you know, if he has, and I think one of the injuries has been, you know, a knee, maybe he fits really well into that mic position and can come in and whether it's compete, if they, I know that Stutzman was playing there before uh, TD Roof was injured and they had to, you know, move Deshaun White to that cheetah. So I don't know if they plan on moving Stutzman back or, or what their plans are there, but I think Flo could come in and he would immediately give you, he's a kid with instincts. And he's a kid with attitude. You know, I, when, I, when you watch him, uh, reminds me a lot of like Tom Ward in like the edge that he plays with. Uh, I know a lot of people probably remember uh, Flo at those five-star events. Him just, uh, I don't know if there's a better word to use than just being a bully to, uh, you know, the other, what most people would say, maybe alphas that were there. He was kind of the alpha among the alphas. He was, uh, you know, uh <laughs> the physicality that you know borderlined uh, on criminality on some of the things he was doing to kids uh so i think he would definitely bring bring a lot to both of those inside linebacker off the ball positions and it's a, it's a, it's kind of a gamble a little bit of a gamble with his injury history but the if you can get him consistently on the field and point in the right direction it's the payoff is huge so it's yeah it's 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 a it's I mean, as you said, he's a top 10 player. OU fans lusted over Justin Flo's recruiting for like two years before we realized we had no shot. And he was just, I mean, he was literally just, we were hoping he was going to come in and rebuild the attitude of our defense. This was back in like the, you know, back two years ago. So, you know, he obviously, you know, a lot of folks are maybe thinking Miami's kind of an option here for Flo. Because his ex-coach Cristobal is now in Miami, and Miami certainly needs as much help as it can get. It it might need a, a little bit of an attitude uh, transplant as well. Uh, they had a terrible year, really, based upon projections. Maybe even worse than OU, if you think about what they had coming back. Um, so it would be it'd be interesting to see where the flow recruiting goes if OU is able to get him on campus. If he if, and they really want to make a push for him. And, you know, Venables, uh, Bates, Chavis, they were all on staff at Clemson when they recruited him. So you'd think there's an inside there. 
There's also an inside to several Clemson guys who are now hitting the portal. Uh, Chris, what's the the temp check on some of those guys like Kevin Swint? Well, there was a heavy rumors last year that some Clemson players wanted to follow Brent to OU. Nothing really came out of it. It was just internet rumor mongering. And Brent was so hands-off at the time. You know, he was even hands-off on Jared Kanick. Kanick had sort of to, sort of had to recruit himself to OU. But this, but now there's a down we're a year removed from all that. And there are a number of Clemson players that have hit the portal. And you'd think OU will at least kick the tires on on on, on a bunch of these guys. Caleb, yeah. what are your thoughts on how Swint fits in or uh, Fred Davis, uh, a larger cornerback? Yeah, and there's another guy too, uh, Levanta Bentley, that I'm interested in. He's a linebacker from, from Clemson that's entered the portal. I'm extremely interested in just this altogether. I, I would assume that once the kids have entered the portal, that it would be you know, free-for-all. If, if Brent wants them, he would take them. I mean, why? And, you know, there's, I guess you can make the moral case for that being the right thing to do, right? Uh, if you want what's best for those kids and want the best opportunity for them to be successful, then, you know, they, they know your defense, you recruited them, you know them, you know the character, you know what they're about, they know what you're about, go get them if they can help your football team. Uh, Swint is an interesting guy because it's a guy that both Bates and Venables recruited out of high school. Uh, Bates, I think, was his main, was his lead recruiter. And he recruited to play linebacker, uh, played linebacker for two years under under BV. And then last year in Brent's last year uh, at Clemson, they spun him down to defensive end. Big kid, 6'3", 245. You know, obviously as a former linebacker, he runs really well. So I think he would, you know, have the potential to come in. Obviously, and this goes with all of these Clemson guys, knows the defense, right? I think that's one of the added benefits that if they feel like these guys are the best available options from a football player perspective, I think there's an added benefit where you know, hey, were there a cultural fit? Yeah, but they know the defense. They can come in and immediately they know the playbook. They know what we're trying to do. They can help lead the room. Uh, so I think he's a guy that would, we know Oklahoma needs help with defensive end. Uh, he's been a backup there at Clemson, uh, but they've got defensive ends that are going to be going in first, late first round, second round. So, uh, you know, you're backing those guys up, maybe not the same as backing up, you know, uh, you know, John Q. Public at, you know, a regional school. You know, and the other linebacker, uh, Levanta Bentley, he's a really interesting guy. He's, he's a similar story in that sense, right? He's a Southern kid, I think Georgia, recruited by Bates, recruited by Venables, played for Venables at linebacker his entire time. And he's been Barrett Carter's backup at, you know, one of those at that wheel linebacker uh, position for them the last two years. Uh, and been the primary backup, played a bunch of snaps. You look at him, six foot, 235. You look at him physically, he is a strong, stout looking kid, just a fantastic looking athlete, runs well, extremely physical. Uh, I would, to me, he's a kid that, and we talked about flow. To me, Bentley's extremely interesting, where maybe you worry with flow. Can you stay healthy? We're going to teach you the defense. If Bentley's even close, then I don't know that he is, right? Because Flo was, we all know, one of the top five or so recruits in the country coming out. Uh, but with Bentley, 
four-star kid, highly ranked, highly recruited. You know, all of your Southern schools were after him, Georgia, Alabama, everyone. But here's a kid that, again, knows the defense, played in it for three years, uh, under Venables, could come in, you can play. You know, everyone knows that my mic and that will is interchangeable. You know, so if you need uh, experience, you need depth, you need guys that are comfortable in that defense, I think Bentley, Bentley would provide that. And then the, the corner Davis, he's a little bit different. Uh, you know, when you look at his time uh, at at uh, at Clemson, he didn't see the field as much as either uh, Swint or Bentley did. But he's a big, long corner. Again, another uh, Venables recruit out of Florida, 6'1", 190 uh, pounds. Uh, you know, I think that's an interesting one. I've seen some people say that he has an offer. And if he does, uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, him come in and, and be a guy that, with you know his experience could provide some depth out the gate and uh, another guy that has uh some familiar ties to the coaching staff and specifically jay valai uh, a name that ou is somewhat familiar to uh it's a former juco corner Kyrie jackson uh long guy has uh, played at alabama for a few years i don't i don't believe valai recruited him um but he coached him um, he's hit the portal. Uh, tell me a little bit about that guy. Yeah, no. So it's, it's, yeah, I think come, things come full circle, right? He was a high school teammate of, uh, Jalil Farouk. So there was a tie there. I think a lot of people hoped that him being close to Jalil and knowing Caleb, right. That that would lead him into, uh, into OU. He was a junior. He was a kid that had to go JC route. Uh, was maybe the top junior college corner. He ended up going to Alabama, and I mean, who can blame him, right? At, at that time, you're looking at, you know, uh, going to come into Oklahoma under Grinch, and they're trying to rebuild the defense uh, or go to Alabama, which you know is kind of insert you into cog, and if you do these things, you're going to be an NFL player. Uh, played over the last two years, you know, off and on there for uh, for Alabama, just never been able to become that starter. Big kid, six three, probably six two and a half. Uh, you know, one hundred ninety pound corner can run. Is fluid. Is a, is a loose athlete. Uh, you know, I, I think he would be again a kid that, depending on what Woody Washington does, uh, and you know, depending on Gentry and, and how that continues to, he's looked really good. You know, but I think he would be a kid that would come in and compete right away if uh, Oklahoma chose to pull the trigger and, and try to get him in Norman. Well, he's lost, we'll, we'll call it depth, but it's not really been playing depth, but the secondary's had quite a bit of transfers out. It's, it's been guys that haven't been able to find the field, but from a numbers standpoint, the, the secondary certainly depleted a little bit. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I think that one thing that all of these guys do present uh when you look at depth is also just competitive depth because like you nailed it, Chris, right? Like the guys that Oklahoma's losing, I saw, I think Zach Sanchez or someone, you know, tweeted it out and it was like, okay, Oklahoma's losing, you know, whatever it is. And it's basically like Theo Weiss's stats and basically everybody else that's left has nothing to show for it, has not made a tackle, has not caught a pass, has not done anything. Uh, and so that makes you wonder, like, you know, what even real competitive depth were those guys providing? You know, they clearly probably were not pushing to be on the field. And with most of these guys we've talked about, I think, you know, even if, you know, 
Tyree Jackson comes in and doesn't beat out Gentry, you know, maybe Gentry is just going to be that good. And it looks like that's a really high possibility. He's going to provide competitive depth and push for that role. And, which, and just, uh, and just reps, right? I mean, we, yeah, we seeing how many reps our linebackers played and are just sort of falling off, falling apart in the fourth quarter. It's, it can't be a coincidence. I'm just saying it can't be a coincidence that we're giving up long drives in the fourth quarter and we have no depth at, at linebacker and limited depth elsewhere at spots. Yeah, absolutely. And no offense to Joshua Eaton, but you know, you're trading <laughs> him for a guy that's been on the field at Alabama to to compete for depth. I mean, I think that just makes your team better overall. And someone to push, you know, to push Gentry, right? Because Gentry's athletic skills are just off the, they're off the chart, right? We knew that when OU was able to get his signature. We knew his athletically, he was, you know, he, he was a top 20, he was a top 20 player in high school. That knee injury is the only reason he fell out of five-star status. We all, when you watched his film, he just, he had, he just had it. You just watch his film and go, yep, that's, that's what, that's what elite college speed looks like. But again, to his point, if he can have somebody pushing him so where he's not like, well, I'm, you know, this is all coming easy to me. You know, I'm going to start a cornerback. I don't have to really work at my craft that much. But, you know, when a six foot three, you know, 200 pound cornerback who's from Alabama comes to the campus and says, no, I'm actually going to take your job. You know, that, yeah. that you know, iron, you know, the, the old cliche, iron, iron v. iron, right? No, honestly, like you nailed it in that. And it makes me think of two things, right? what it's i don't know if it's on the brady six or whatever tom brady talking about his time at michigan and how it molded him and his competition with drew henson made him the player he was and throughout the rest of his career because it set forth practice habits and he says this he says if i didn't have a good tuesday or if i didn't have a good wednesday i didn't start and so you know the 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 level of focus he had every day trying to be the starter at Michigan, right? It has propelled him, uh, I mean, maybe down a rabbit hole, uh, you know, uh, the rest of his life. And on the flip side of that, you listen to, you know, I don't throw a shot across his bow, but Danny Stutzman talk about, eh, you know, I don't care. It's, you know, not say he didn't, I don't think the words were, I don't care, but, you know, kind of brushing off Venables talking about, you need to be six inches over. You need to be a foot over. And it's like, eh, I don't really need to be, I don't need to be that, that, that perfect. Well, if you've got a guy, you know, sitting behind you, uh, like Vonta Bentley, that's been in that system, knows that coach and is, you know, every bit as good as you physically and he's on, well, if he's better on Tuesday and Wednesday, he's starting and you're not even playing. So I think that's those, that competitive depth that Oklahoma needs to improve throughout the roster. And they've got, I've said this on the board to me, this is maybe in some ways, it's. I know for some people, it's probably scary seeing this many guys leave, this many open positions. I think it could be the biggest blessing they've had because it allows you to shed that dead weight, right? Go through the fire, burn that off, and come out on the other side hardened with, uh, with you know, just a better team. Man, I did not have Drew Henson on my bingo card for this week. <laughs> So good, good <laughs> reference there, Caleb. Another guy that I did not have my bingo on my bingo card uh, going into the portal season as we transition to offense uh, appears, and we've put out a official 360 prediction that Austin Stobner will be headed back to Norman. Chris, what are your thoughts on that move? 
well, I think it was a, it was a big shock to think about that he could just come right back. Um, so apparently he's always had a great relationship with Joe John Finley. That's not the reason he transferred. Like a lot of, like a lot of OU players at the end of last year, he was kind of getting frustrated with uh, the, the coach, the coach in, uh, the coach in California, the, the guy who can't beat Utah. Um, <laughs> he was getting very frustrated and he really wanted, he really wanted to be a sooner and, he had an okay season at South Carolina this year, but I think the biggest thing Stogner was able to do was sort of push past his terrible injury and infection issue that really kind of derailed his career. Because if you think about Austin Stogner before that, I mean, he's he's cruising along like the NFL tight end OU path, right? Him and Grant Calcaterra look like they're just going to follow um, Mark Andrews into the NFL. It's like we just got this flow of, of, of tight ends that are going to do that. Then he gets that terrible injury, and then he has that terrible infection, and he's never really the same. And um, it sounds like he, you know, the the transfer has at least gotten all of that out of his system. So when you think about Stogner versus the other tight end that they've offered, um, Kyle Morlock, I mean, Stogner's basically is a very similar athlete to him with a much with a staff that knows much more about him. And I think I think Stogner could also be benefited from a, an offseason with Schmidt too. I think that would be that's a good fit. That will really help him help him as well. So I think if everything can come together, this is a good addition. It gives you some time for um, for Caden Helms to just develop a little bit. Uh, I still am suspicious about another high school tight end in the picture for OU. We talked about them last week. I'm not sure any of those kids I talked about are going to make it make visit Norman, but I think Jordan Allen is still sort of floating out there. And in his film at tight end, I think, is better than his film at defensive end, which may tie into why you saw the Quincy Rhodes offer, perhaps, hmm. um, to to tie everything in tie everything into a loop. But I think Stogner would be a good addition, um, and would be. He's a known quantity, and, and part of the portal problem is you're kind of not sure what you're buying, right? But Stogner knows Joe John Finley. He knows DeMarco. He he knows he knows Bill. So I I think it's a low risk and with maybe a, maybe a little bit of a high bump because his six seven frame and his target in the middle might maybe it's easier for for Dylan Gabriel to see. I don't know, but he's Stogner was certainly a very good red zone weapon. And a good short yardage weapon for OU his when he was on campus. And some people on the board have brought up his stats from this year. Uh, I believe it was you know in the mid two hundreds in passing or receiving yards. I think he only caught one touchdown, but I wouldn't read too much into that. Uh, I don't think that offense really used the tight end that much. He's not the only tight end leaving South Carolina, sure. so I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Now and some guys. Okay. Rattler didn't have a and Rattler really until those last two games. Rattler had, I think we can call it a bad year at South Carolina. Yeah, he did. He did. There it was, was it was it was bad football. Was bad. And then all of a sudden he turned into I don't know what, and it's like, where where's this guy been? It's the but, the he had a Trevor Knight span of two games. He did. <laughs> I mean, he literally had back to back sugar balls against Tennessee and 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 Clemson. It was just crazy. Well, OU's hitting the portal hard for some other pass catchers, a handful of receivers 
who did put up big stats, uh, including Dorian Singer, a wide receiver transferring out of Arizona. I believe he has two years to play. Caleb, what do you think about his talents? No, he's he's a really interesting kid. I I, I like him. Uh, I think one of the things I was maybe a little bit surprised when you watched him. Uh, he's a he's a really good receiver, good route runner. He makes you see him make competitive catches. Uh, you see him play inside. You see him play outside. You know, uh, you put him in the slot and do some things up the seam. So he's I think he's competent in all those areas. Uh, he's not a blazer on tape. He's not a guy that just you, you see him just flying by folks. Uh, you know, I mean, had a, having said that he had an unbelievably productive year, like you said, right. I think 66 balls for 1100 yards, six touchdowns in the pack 12. I know the pack 12 wasn't, uh, the big 10 this year, uh, or it was, I don't know. I, I know it was, it was competitive though. Right. It was, uh, it was competitive, maybe more competitive than it has been in a, in a while, you know, with programs like Washington state and Arizona not being just rollovers being, being teams that folks would have to go play. I think that Washington, I think that Arizona team was that they beat Utah maybe. Uh, but so yeah, he's, he's an interesting kid. I maybe, maybe just expected a little bit more, more long speed from him. That tends to be something that at least those, those Baylor teams that Levy was a part of that they really thrive in trying to get, you know, really twitched up guys on the outside, you know, want to utilize the spacing uh, in the run game to force you into cover one in their way of beating cover of beating, you know, man coverage or zero or one, right. Is just get a, a guy that you can't cover on the outside, get one-on-one he's going to beat you. We aren't going to draw some great scheme up. We're going to go beat you with our players. Uh, so he he's a he would be a guy. I think I think you know when you look at all these guys, Oklahoma's offered at receiver. They all are real similar in terms of size. Uh, they're all so it feels like maybe Oklahoma feels like they need to go get somebody that's in that six foot one, uh, hundred ninety to two hundred five pound range because everybody is is kind of right in that mold. Well, another guy that uh, we've all loved, uh, we saw him live this year. Uh, Dante Cephas out of Kent State. What about him? Yeah, I mean he's a uh, he's he's a really he is that guy. That when like, when I say uh, Singer's probably not a guy that you watch on the film and think and see him just run by folks. You do see that from Cephas. Uh, you see him at Kent State team and uh, Schley. They like to throw the ball deep, and he was one of those guys. They would you know they like to throw it deep too as a, as a, as a uh, sophomore. I guess it would be he had 1,240 yards receiving, nine touchdowns. So, I mean, just a huge year. And a lot of that were, were those deep shots. And then you see also a lot of that. And every OU fan remembers this, right, with that offense. And, again, keep in mind they run that very similar offense to what Oklahoma runs, that, you know, veer and shoot, Bryles, Baylor offense. When they will get that, you know, one-on-one uh, in a corner playing off, they're happy to take a, you know, a six yard hitch and see if you can make a tackle in space. And if you can't, it's six. And I think it was Cephas against Georgia that you saw, you know, do that where Kent state went in between the hedges and him catch a, you know, short route and, and, you know, make the corner, break a tackle, kind of make him, you know, get a little wiggle to him and, and house that thing. So I know he's a kid that apparently Penn state is on really hard. 
Uh, I think he is a Pennsylvania kid, so it'll be interesting to see if Oklahoma can use some of the connection that Levy has with his with his previous coach and, and get him into Norman for for a visit and keep him out of you know uh, state college. And Georgia saw enough of him live in between the hedges to uh, offer him as well. I know they're going after him pretty hard too. A lot of other big programs. So if we could win that, I mean that's obviously a great target. Uh, another guy uh, in a Pass happy offense, um, Mississippi State's Ra Ra Thomas. What are your thoughts on him? You know, so in, in, he's, I would say in some ways, he's almost a, a mix of what you see from Cephas uh, and, and Singer. He's, he's bigger, uh, more, you know, he's bigger than both of them. He's, he's probably all of 6'2, all of 200 pounds, long arm kid, uh, you know. But he is that he's he's that more physical guy on the perimeter, you know, that can win one on one, can win competitive catches. He's got some run after the ability, uh, you run after the catch. And so, you know, it comes from an air raid system, uh, which I think we're all familiar with that. So it's interesting to see him see him leaving a program that throws the ball so much. I don't know if uh, if Leach, you know. Doing, going along and throwing all the chairs down for the receivers, not letting them set. If that was a driving factor with him, uh, but yeah, big physical kid, decent speed, good blocker. And I think that's something uh, you know. Again, kind of with that, you're seeing Oklahoma targeting guys six one, six two, two hundred pounds can run. I think you know maybe they want to start to utilize, get some guys in there that they can also get some of that that short, quick game too. guys that can block on the perimeter can block a corner and help, you know, uh, those skill guys get loose, but they can also do that themselves. And he, he would fit that. And another guy like that, that fits perfectly. Uh, I love this guy's tape Cleveland Harris out of Louisiana tech, uh, big guy, highly productive, had 10 touchdowns this year. Uh, what about his tape? Yeah, no, I mean, so Trey Harris, he fits that like to, to a T, right? 6'2", 204. He's a little more twitched up. He's a, you know, he's a muscular kid. He's got a muscular frame. You see him beat everybody uh, in, in all kinds of ways. You'll see him run by guys. You see him take short stuff, break tackles, uh, shed some of those guys and run after the catch. I think he fits, you know, of all those guys, he might be, Cephas has got that deep speed uh, as a little bit slider. Uh, you know, Singer maybe not has, you know, I don't think he's as fast as Harris. Harris might be one of the more complete, you know, he and Thomas uh, of that group, he would be, uh, you know, he's a guy. And again, kind of goes back to this, right? Super productive over the last two seasons had 1,517 yards receiving 14 touchdowns. That's the thing you notice with all of these guys that they're they're trying to get in is, you know, not only is there maybe a, a physical body type and a skill set they're looking for, they're not just going out and saying, hey, let's go get a kid that runs a four or three. They're they're getting really productive guys or trying to rather. And productive uh, could mean a couple different things, especially if you're talking about an offensive lineman um, in a somewhat surprising move. A starter from Alabama has entered the portal. An offensive guard, Javion Cohen, uh, was a kind of a mid four-star recruit coming out of high school. But anytime a guy, Bama offer, um, you know that really doesn't matter. Uh, came onto campus, got two years of starting uh, under his belt. Uh, Chris, that's a little surprising that this guy's in the portal. Yeah, I mean, you don't see 
I mean, a bunch of Alabama players have hit the portal. Um, Tommy Brockenmeyer, the five-star offensive tackle from Texas, that was a big loss to Texas two years ago. He's hit the portal. He hasn't really found much success at Alabama. So that's usually what you're you're seeing, right? You're seeing kind of the um, I'm getting lost in the shuffle in the Alabama talent machine. I'm going to go somewhere else and try and find where I am, or I'm I'm stuck. That's kind of like the Brockenmeyer and and some of the other guys. Or you have the I'm stuck behind a five star guy and I can't see the field, which is sort of the Drew Sanders model. And obviously, he went on to Arkansas to have great success, but you don't see Alabama losing starters without just huge off the field problems connected to them. And I, and I personally haven't been able to find anything that says you know that Cohen, you know, fits fits any of those models. So he's just a Alabama starter looking to go somewhere else. And uh, and OU, all the OU coaches are following him and. And they clearly gave him an eye. He, he, he tweeted out that he's got an offer. So OU's clearly thrown their hat in the ring. We'll see what other SEC programs are after him. But it's it, it breaks the mold of what we're used to in terms of the Nick Saban departures. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing, it Chris, I feel like it breaks the mold for the transfer portal in that yeah, sense, it does. right? Because most of these guys, like we're talking about, like Cephas or Trey Harris at a law tech, you know, even Singer, right? You're you're talking about, you know, a lot of them are Fisk, that defensive tackle that I hope does not go to Notre Dame. Uh, and you're talking about guys like group of five, right? Like, so these yeah. are a group of five studs that are like, hey, we can go, we can play in, you know, uh, you know, blue blood. Uh, power five football on on good teams. They can. They've proven or, that. I think they'll get the like chance. an elite or an elite kid at a smaller at an elite kid at a program that's just sort of suffering, like Arizona. Yeah, the, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, like the well, Michigan Michigan's Michigan Center, who was the guy from UVA that I've loved to have seen in the Sooner uniform. Yeah, right? he was I struggling at UVA. Yeah, I mean, he's going to go. He's at Michigan, making their line awesome. But yeah. you don't see like the Michigan three year starter, you know, old Big 12, old Big 10 guards say, yep, I'm just going to go in the portal. No, that that's what's wild, right? Yeah, you know that, like, that's, uh, you do not see the the blue multi-year starter, like, anchor of a team be like, hey, uh, see you guys later, unless it's, you know, Caleb, you know, something like that, where the coach is leaving and they're following him. But in this case, it's just, uh, or, or I like don't know. Horrendous off the field stuff, like, you know, like police blotter stuff, right? Right, right. I've wondered with with Cohen. He was committed to Auburn for a while, and he was an Auburn kid, uh, and then he flipped to uh, Alabama. And I know it was, I think, probably along those lines when they were trying to. And Auburn does give Auburn a couple of years, and they'll they'll try to fire the coach they just hired. Uh, but at this time, it was uh, the coach that's at UCF right now. I can't think of his name. That uh, was the former. Uh, Springdale High School, Malzon. It Malzon, was Malzon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were trying to, you know, it was one of the many years he was there, maybe seven years, and six out of the seven they were trying to fire him, and and he flipped to Alabama. So I've wondered if, you know, if uh, everyone knows there's some there's some money that, that flows into the the Auburn program via a handful of boosters. If if it's not a him trying to him getting some money and going to go going to go start at Auburn for the next two years. Well, in his uh, decommitment announcement, he talked a lot about 
um, you know, how, how important God and faith is to him. So uh, maybe that's an end that this coaching staff can use to get him on campus. I know we've talked a lot about um, needing some depth, especially inside on the uh, offensive line. Um, so he could slot in, push for a starting spot immediately. Obviously, if you're a starter at Alabama, you've got that kind of talent. Um, so that would be an excellent guy to slot in. Um, I know we'll have probably a couple more offers to the offensive linemen out there, Chris. What are what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm again, and the problem is, you know, to our to our you know readers of our message board and to our listeners of the pod, it's hard to figure out offers with the portal guys because unlike the high schoolers who are just willing to just jump to Twitter immediately and announce, Hey, I got an offer. Like for all the 30 schools they get offers from the, the portal process is a little different unless the kids, you know, unless the player says, Hey, I've got an offer from Oklahoma. It's hard to really know who has offers and who doesn't. Um, because it's if you're if you're trying to keep your process really you know kind of quiet, if you're an offensive lineman and you're just going to go visit three schools and you're not going to use five visits and you want to get this process done pretty quickly, you know you could take three visits in a week because the, the window's open. You can do that. You can do three official. You know you're out of school. You can do three fill official three official visits in a week and and make a really quick decision or make a quick decision from your first visit. You know, the, the, no one's having, you know, announcement ceremonies on ESPN for portal decisions. Yeah. So there's no hat. There's no hat chosen. You're not pulling a, you're not pulling a, a baby bulldog out of a bag for <laughs> if you're a, if you're, if you're a portal offensive lineman. So, yeah. I, I was going to say, right. Like one of the ones that sticks out, I would assume, I, I feel like Oklahoma more likely than not has offered Stanford you know, uh, transfer offensive tackle, Miles Hinton, right? But Well, they recruited you know, him out of high school, right? So it's yeah, kind of like, I mean, he already your, knows them. So it's like. Yeah, you know, but to your to your point too, right? It's like, okay, here's a multi-year starter at a Power 5 program. Uh, not, he's not a big get on social media, right? Probably got offers from everybody. Dad played in the NFL. I think his dad might be in the Hall of Fame. You know, brother's playing in the NFL right now. It, you know, him tweeting out, hey, I got 22 offers today from you know, programs is not at the top of his list. He's probably, you know, kids like that, when they enter, they more likely than not have an idea of this is the type of place I want to go. And then, you know, from there, it's narrowing it down. Yeah. I mean, he may, I mean, he know, may know Bill, maybe just called Bill Beatenbaugh from when he recruited him. Still got a cell phone number, says, I'm in the portal. Are you guys still interested? And, and I, you know, I don't know what Bill would say, but I'd like to think Bill would say, yes. You know, let's think about a time we can get you to Norman, and that's all we're and that we're never going to hear a single thing because of all the OU coaches who sort of operates in secrecy. Bill Biedenbaugh is like the the most secretive. Absolutely, I think you know you know what that's a good point to bring up too, right? Like to everybody that listens to this, it'll be it'll be it behooves you to pay attention to the board this weekend and give a shout out to like Saptown what he does on there because he does a great job 
of monitoring some social media. And I think that's where we'll start to get an idea with official visits, guys tweeting out photos, yeah. you know, have an eye, have an eye on like people in the background because, you know, as you're yeah. looking at Eric McCarty and, you know, uh, whomever else taking a picture, maybe that's Miles Hinton behind them talking to yeah, Bill. Who's, who's the six you know? foot seven, who's the six foot seven, 320, 320 pounder in the same, in that photo with Josh Bates. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who that is, but he's, but Bates is a huge guy, and he's he's huge next to him. So we know he's not a linebacker. So let's figure out who he might be. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it, again, it's it's it makes this process crazy to track, but it's it's going to be fascinating. We got about two weeks before signing day, and two weeks where a lot of portal activity is going to go on. So it's doubling up. But it, our our board is tracking as much of this as we can. We're dropping VIP hints with as much information as we as we're getting. Um, it, there's there's a lot of conflicting information out there, uh, so it's 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 a it's a crazy time right now. And then you add the fact that Dion Dion's people are claiming 300 kids contacted them in the last two days. So probably Division Two, and I don't mean that as a shot at. Uh, <laughs> but, but and, and, in and the Dion world told of, his, and Dion yeah. told his entire Ross current roster that you know he's bringing people in so they need to think about what they're doing I, mean, I think I think he'll be successful but in the world of NIL I have a hard time seeing Colorado, Colorado yeah, who, who yeah. you want to talk about boosters and fans that don't care haven't cared and even his AD when someone asked him in the you know, in his hiring con- news conference, do you have the money to pay Dion? And he, he admittedly said, which was shocking, not yet, but I know we'll get it. And it's like, okay, that's surprising uh, yeah. to hear him say that. And one other thing I, I think we'd have, you know, at least hint at and tell everybody, I think it's an interesting thing to watch is the exodus of kids out of Oklahoma State. And how some of those kids, I know there's been chatter about Presley in Oklahoma. And I think that would be, an interesting one because and we've talked about this on the board. There's some of the when you watch what Ubby did at Ole Miss, so much of that really short, quick game are to those type of athletes, right? It's because really, right, those those quick passes or jet sweeps, it's it's a form of just, you know, uh perimeter run game. He would fit that. And then obviously, you know, we all know Oklahoma needs defensive ends that can play trace forward going into the portal was surprising, uh, really shocking and somewhat interesting. And, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see if Focalma pushes for, for either one of those kids to get on campus. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about just one last comment for you, um, for you, Matt, if you talk about two teams that are kind of taking it harder than anybody else with all this, what's going on, Okie State's losing a lot of different pieces for them from their roster, productive pieces, and some of their better recruits. And Stanford is getting absolutely gutted, and they have no way to backfill because of their academic policies. Stanford, the new Stanford coach, might legitimately be playing football next year with 55, 60 kids. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that's actually because Stanford still has the rule that you must be admitted to Stanford on your own, not. It's not a, you know, it's a shot here across, you know, University of Texas, you know, where things that change the world begin. Like that's, you know, it's difficult for everybody else to get into Texas, not if you're an athlete. You know, I think the exam is you must spell cat and they spot you the C and the A, you know, 
that is not the way it works at Stanford. <laughs> and Stanford has like 15 portal entries, plus their recruiting class is getting gutted. Uh, I do feel bad for whoever gets that job. Because that person in January, they won't be able to backfill on the portal, and they're not going to be able to find high school kids who are, who are Stanford, Stanford qualified. I mean, they'll find some, but they won't find like a massive pool of them. Yeah, you know, and the interesting thing about that, just having followed recruiting for as long as we all have, you know, particularly when when Harbaugh was there and he was recruiting guys like Luck and, you know, McCaffrey, you know, when you'd follow it, it would be this late in the year, right? It would be towards December where you would see kids that have been committed to Stanford for eight or nine months, you know, drop tweeting, off. well, tweeting it, drop off. Exactly. Half, you'd see some drop off and you'd see others tweeting out, hey, I got my official acceptance letter. Yeah, it was that. So I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what that process looks like, but I don't even know if they can really, they'll have to work something out with the university to expedite kids even getting through the admissions process. Well, as we've said on the board, the, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. And unfortunately for Stanford, they fall on the latter side of that. A&M's another school that we've all talked about. I mean, we know what's going on down there, um, but it's portal madness. Uh, we're doing our best to track it on the board. Uh, another shout out to Saptown for the work he's doing. Uh, Chris is hitting Twitter hard. Um, we've been talking to our sources, uh, helped break the Bacola news on Dasan. Uh, hopefully we can dig up uh, a couple other names like that that might be under the radar. Um Again, Sooners360.com. We've discussing. We're discussing all of this. Um, come join us. Talk about these guys. Uh, we're talking about the transition to uh, next season, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys out there. Chris, Caleb, good, good show. See you guys on the board. Thanks. See you guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.